Episode 239 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the great English television writer Carla Lane, who created and wrote successful situation comedy series such as The Liverbirds, Butterflies, Solo, The Mistress and Bread. Carla devoted much of her life to the care and welfare of animals, establishing the Animal Line Trust in 1990 with her famous friends Rita Tushingham and Linda McCartney. A year later, she bought an island off the coast of Wales to protect its wildlife. Carla Lane died in 2016 at the age of 87 in her birthplace Liverpool to where she had returned in 2009. My interview with her took place in 2008 at her mansion in Horsted Keynes, Sussex, which she had run as an animal sanctuary since 1993. You'll hear one or two of her furry and feathered friends in the background as Carla talks of her sadness at having to leave the sanctuary. I had no idea I was going to end up with a sanctuary, and when I bought the house I was very naive. I mean, I just liked the look of it. I didn't stop and say, hey, you know, there's all those rooms. I didn't even think about that. So it was bought in a very um, naive fashion, you know. I could never be that naive again. I, I just loved it. And, and I found rooms after I bought it that, it, to be honest, I didn't know everything about this end. Mm. They always had, had the door shut. And I thought it was just, this came as a surprise to me, this room. Was this one of the nine rooms you found when you opened that door? That's then? right. Yeah. I thought, oh my God. You know, I'm I'm no businesswoman, let's face it. You know, I, I just don't have any idea about business at all. Many of your BBC programmes are repeated on satellite telly and so on, and presumably shown around the world sometimes. Yes. Is that not enough to keep the place going? No, because, because they don't, the BBC hardly ever show my work. You won't see bread on the television, really? you won't see butterflies. Well, it's on UK you Gold. might see it on UK Gold. Mm. Well, they pay not <coughs> that much. They'd have to be on all the time. When did you last have a, a show on the TV, a sitcom? It's seven years since I ended writing for the BBC. Mm. When all the new people came in, everything I knew disappeared. And in my day, you go into, say, Gareth Gwenlin and many other lovely names, Robin and head of comedy. Mm. Uh, Come in, darling, get Carlos some coffee. What do you want mm. to do? What do you want to do? Well, I've got this idea. It's this, that's this. Tell them a little bit about it. Go and write it, darling. And it was like that. And they never bothered me. They never asked to see my scripts. But I used to send them one. And I'd get little notes saying, six more, please, immediately. And it was that kind of relationship. And it suddenly went. Everything changed. Different people came in. Some of them had never heard of me. Have you missed it? Oh, I've missed those days. Of, mm. I mean, I've got a friend who still works in the BBC and we were reminiscing the other day. Mm. It was a lovely place to work for. But now it's very odd because out of the blue, after seven years of not wanting anybody, mm. not just me, I was asked to go in and see the head of comedy and there were two ladies and they commissioned me to do this thing I'm writing now. But I don't do it the same way. I have to do a script at a time and they have to see them and judge them and decide whether they like them or not. Do they like it? 
so far I haven't had any complaints. Mm. The, my first one, it's about a rather dysfunctional family. And For I had. Change. Yes. <laughs> and the, the daughter wanted, wanted to be a pop star. Mm. And I got a lot of fun out of that because of the way they must, you know, be and, and the shock it gave the family. But they didn't want that. They liked the script. They loved everything about it except they didn't want her to be a pop star. And I thought, well, that's the whole script, really. Mm. So I rewrote it. And uh, now she's brought home, she's uh, 17, she's brought home a 40-odd-year-old man and introduced mm. him as her boyfriend. I have to keep giving them shocks, you know. Mm. Then I have to keep solving their problems. So is this a sitcom you're, you're writing? Yeah, it's a, yeah, I don't like that word. Okay, a series, a drama series? A series. A series. Yeah, and I hate the what's word What's it going to be called? And, and, uh... Well, at the moment it's called Someday I'll Find Me. Right. But that's too long, and I think I'll just call it Screaming. Because you have to keep up with the times, don't you? And that sounds more like life today. Mm -hmm. Where is it set? In Liverpool? I haven't said where it's set. They can please themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind that. It'd be nice if it was Liverpool. And I have got... The cleaner is definitely Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Lil, the cleaner. Um, not Lilo Lil. She's not back, is she? Lilo Lil. No, I've, <laughs> I've nobody's seen her for years. <laughs> I used to love the way she trod up that street in those high shoes. She is a tart. <laughs> I loved writing that mm. series. Everybody is saying to me, well, what's happened to mm. bread? I got awards for bread. They're talking about me today because mm. of bread. They're not showing it. They might be on UK Gold, but I'm telling you, I, get, I don't get anything for any money for my programmes anymore. Have you thought of an update on bread or butterflies? You know, sort of doing them today? Well, you know, I do that. But I, I don't think they'd want it. Mm. Yeah. They're all new people, you see, and I'm not criticising them too much. They've come into that building. They're all young. I mean, there's no grey-haired gentleman sitting at the head of the offices now, mm. like, you know, Robin and, and those I knew. There was a head of comedy office. Mm. Now every office is full of people doing their own, you know, their own little companies, mm -hmm. doing what, what they need to do. When, when might we see your new series on the air? I don't know. It's I just, really don't mm. know. It's just uh, that one series you're writing, or are you writing Yeah, one? well, I can only write one at a time. Mm, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I could do two at a push, but it's a silly thing to do. Excuse I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know them. I don't, you know, I just don't know these people anymore. And it's full of very young girls mm. with short skirts and large breasts. Sounds very nice to me. It would be fine for you. <laughs> Not so good for me. In the six <laughs> years you weren't writing for the BBC, were you writing anything even for yourself or storing it up for now? Yeah, there's, there's lots of ideas hanging around. I mm. think I might like to resuscitate. But during the time that I've not been writing, I was attending to all this. And that took a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah getting settled, getting things done. And, and the time just went, and I thought, my God, it's all these... I've not written for ages, and then suddenly I get this request to go to the head of comedy. I was delighted. And, um, it just came out of the blue. It just came out of the blue. And, and somebody said to me, they think probably they'd been looking in the archives mm. and seen Butterfly. I'm only guessing. But there are hardly any sitcoms on TV anymore. Well, they don't encourage you to write them, do they? Mm. I mean, I'm amazed that they've asked me. Mm. They must have seen something they liked. 
probably the only really successful one is My Family. Do you enjoy it? I'm that? sick to death of that. No, no, I don't. Why don't you like it, Carla? Because I don't believe in it. Right. People don't behave like that. Mm. And I think it is lovely for mm. people who just want to see something that's not real. Mm. But I, I can't write stuff like that, you know. Mm. I, I'm not placing myself in a better situation. <clears throat> they're much better than me, obviously, because they're running forever, which those days for me are over, I think. And everybody's watching it, but, but it's the only family comedy there is. But I watched about three or four, and I thought, I'm not interested mm. anymore. But I think most people are. Well, obviously, they must be. How friendly are you still with some of the amazing actors you had in your shows? With like all that? of them. We oh, all yeah. keep in touch. Wendy Craig and Nicholas Lindhurst. Every one of them, yes. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, the boy who played Joey... Peter Howard. Peter Howard. Um, he was here not long ago, and he wanted me to do something for him, which I can't do. Because he's now a big-shot director, isn't he? Yes, he yeah. is. And I said to him, I'll write you a film one day. He mm. said, you tell me when, and I'll have it. And um, oh, nice they're know. all lovely. Mm. The Jean Boat is a great friend. She's a beautiful lady. All actors and actresses are charming people. It, it's the way they're brought up, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think the reason they liked me was because I wasn't like them. Mm -hmm. They were sort of terribly proper and, you know, as I said, what I thought. Although nowadays everybody does. But I always felt there was this curious gap between us where they were beautiful at one thing and I, please God, was beautiful at another. But we all got on. I've never had a bad time in television. Mm. I've always been treated with enormous respect and I've got some beautiful things that were given to me and, you know, said to me. And, and I hope... It's not going to be like that, I know. I'm never going to be like that again at the BBC. It's full of little grey offices. It's glass everywhere. You sit in one room and you can see two miles away, typewriters, you know, screens. And, and the people are all young. But you'd write here anyway, wouldn't you? Oh, yes. And, uh... I used to have an office in the BBC at my disposal, and occasionally I'd go in and mm. do it there. But I like, I like writing at home. What Late would have back. thought that your life here would be fantastic material for a series situation comedy. It would, and, and it has occurred to me. But it depends what I do with it. If I took <coughs> this place and brought in somebody real common, like the bread, they weren't really common, but there are other characters in it. You know, a really common Liverpool family <laughs> who just, like, stuck nails in the wood and put calendars up, and mm. you know what I mean? and painted the, the ceilings and absolutely devastated the house. But then I think people would get upset about mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. you know. What about just your adventures with the animals and the birds you've had over the years? Well, I think, Have you chronicled I think them? Have people you been are getting a, a bit, may be getting a bit bored about me and animals. Oh, I don't think you'll ever get bored of animal stories. Well, I would love to, to do something. As a matter of fact, I did write a script called The Sanctuary and I never sent it off because I suddenly read it and I thought, they're not going to do this. It's Maybe getting, I should send it off. Working with animals is incredibly difficult, isn't it? Getting them to behave themselves. Yes, but because I know the difficulties, mm. I could write it in a way that it could be okay. done. Mm -hmm. And also, I knew a lot of animals that would behave because <laughs> I've got them here. Mm -hmm. The nice thing about here is everything is laid back. I mean, like this. Mm -hmm. They're just laid back. They behave 
and you can go over there. I, I was over the other day, and I was kissing the horses. I know it sounds silly, but it's not I so silly. My dogs. Yeah, and it, the way you do with your dog, yes. And they, they just let you do it, you know. They don't go, oh, my God, what's she doing? Unconditional love, isn't it? They, they know they're going to mm. get kissed by everybody. Mm. And we invite people, yeah, mm. kiss, kiss the animal if you want to. Oh, will it bite? Of course it won't bite. Mm. They are beautiful. But most of them are, are homed temporarily. We won't let one go. But all lovely friends who have rescue places have taken, I would say, two-thirds of our animals so that when we leave, it's not going to be terribly stressful. We'll move them quietly from them after we've got this lot out. I hope you it's don't all planned. mind me reminding you, you were once married. and you, Yes. You, you, do you think, in a way, the animals have been a substitute for men in your life? Not really, because I've had a man in my life for years and years and years, and nobody knows about it. Can we know about it? No. I just love the secrecy. Mm -hmm. I hate people watching and and there was so much when when I got divorced everybody was so nosy about my life you know and um, I'd already met him mm -hmm. and unfortunately um, that was it and he exists today still That's, does he live here or? no right no he can't because of his work but he's still there there in your life is what you mean mm. right yes and it's, it's amazing because I don't know why we've kept it secret so long. I mean, there are people who know about us, friends that we go out with, but basically everybody thinks that I don't have a partner. I've always had a partner. Um, might you get married one day, the two of you? No, right. don't be silly. Well, why is it silly? Uh, <laughs> I couldn't be married again. That's like putting chains around my wrists. Hmm. I'm not criticizing my ex-husband. He was an excellent man. He is an excellent man. A hard-working man. He didn't deserve what I did and, and left him. He didn't deserve it at all. And he's never, ever been with anybody else. He's been, since I left, a single man, which is so friends. sad. Yes, we are. Mm. We don't, you know, get in touch with each other. Mm. But recently, when somebody died that we both cared about, we met there. And of course, I've had tragedies in my family, and we have met at those times. And he's fine, you know, we talk to each other, but he's still got my photograph, apparently. And it's all sad, but he didn't, he hasn't made it difficult for me. In the beginning, it was worse than that, but he's been excellent, you know, and he's just a nice man. What do you mean, in the beginning, it was worse than that? Well, you know, men don't like to be told you're leaving them, do they, when you're married with children? Well, they were growing up then, you know, and he, obviously, he was, we had rows and the way you do. Why did you leave then? I didn't love him anymore, really, in the way I wanted to, you know. I mean, there's, there's love that comes, I suppose, with time, but I wasn't and still aren't, you know, in need of that kind of love. I like love to be exciting and because we two are parted so, so much um, with his work and mine. It's just kept, you know, nice. And I, I never really talk about it. This is the first time I have. I'd, I'd, I'm rather secretive, I'm finding out. Oh, <laughs> I like to be secretive yeah. about my life, you know. I never go to the papers and 
Now, is, is, you said you like your, your romantic life to be exciting. Is this why you don't live with your present partner? Absolutely. We did, and, and we have slightly touched on it now with me leaving here. But I think the reason we're still together all these years is because we never actually lived together. How far away do you live then? Well, he's in London. Okay. And, and, you know, I used to go to his place and he used to come to mine. But, but even then, at the end of a week, we'll, you know, there might be a little quarrel. And I always felt that if you're in one place with a person and a little quarrel comes, dislike sets in and you quarrel more. And I don't have much faith in people who live together all the time. What's his name, Helen? I'm not telling you what's that. It, what's it roughly what occupation? I'm it? not telling you that either. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever, you know... No, it's my secret and his. Right. And it's nice that way. So how does, how's he with the animals? How does he feel about you? He's passion? not the way I'd like him to be. Um, he loves them, but he doesn't like dogs jumping up against him. And I say, oh, for God's sake, you know. And these are the things that could destroy. You know, there's always something that can destroy a couple. Mm -hmm. And if I married a man who every time the dog jumped up on him, he backed away, mm -hmm. I would soon want him gone. But because I love him, I don't subject him to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he likes the animals. Likes, not loves. Mm -hmm. And he's very full of admiration for animals. and. And like me, he enjoys watching a herd of cows in the grass, you know. So he just about makes the grade. No, it's fine the way it is. It's more yeah. exciting and a much happier situation for me. Because I'm, I like being free, really. Is he a vegetarian? No. Right. Which must Shame great on with you, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, no. I'm not the kind of person that, you know, say, in order to get anywhere <coughs> near me, you mustn't eat meat. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really like much, but I always call him my carnivore, you know, and he goes mad. I don't mind him eating meat, but he doesn't eat a lot, and the, he would never eat it when he's with me. It's funny, when I was stuck at the pub, uh, I said, did they know the way to your house? And they said, no, but she goes into the butcher's quite often, so I asked them, and I thought, goes into the butcher's? Can't I've never they? been near a butcher's. Well, I couldn't imagine that in a million years. Why do they say well, that? Perhaps it was a joke. A strange thing to say. Tell us about your children and grandchildren. Where do they live? Well, they live in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. um, we've had tragedies in the family, as you know, or I may didn't know. know that actually, well, Aragorn, who was the son of my elder son, my son had a yacht, and they were on the River Mersey. Mm. And there were about 22 people on board, and a ferry collided with them and Aragon was drowned. Mm -hmm. How think. old was Aragon? Three. Right. And Annette, his wife then, was swimming. Aragon could swim. Mm. Carl always teaches his children to swim. Mm. And he was smiling in the water. He thought it was great fun. But um, Annette was holding on to him and um, a chain came between them and she could never find him again. And mm. She was found unconscious. The other one was Christopher, my other son's son. He was 15 and a half, nearly 16. And um, he came to stay with me a lot, and I loved him to bits. And he always said, you know, can I one day have your... I had a Mercedes, and I've got a picture of him with it. And one night, he had a friend staying here, 
and there was a knock on my door at two o'clock in the morning and um, his friend said, come quick, Christopher's dead. Oh, it was in this house. And of course I ran along the corridor in my nightdress and he was just sitting in a chair, dead. It was just awful. I mean, I called an ambulance. The ambulance came pretty quickly. Um, they worked on him for two hours, but he'd gone. And he was a beautiful, tall, beautiful-looking young man. And I kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? And they said, we don't know. Did we they don't know. Um, yeah, they did. There's a thing that, that people have, and you don't know you've got it, but you don't live beyond 16. I think it's cardiac myopathy. Right. And you're born with it, mm. and your heart lasts for so long, and then one day you go. And I think there's a lot of work being done on it, and they've tried so hard to find out why. And I don't know what their progress is, but that's what they called it, car cardiac myopathy. And, and the awful thing was, well, not awful, it's sweet, really, and, not, and sad. My cat, Pandora, he loved Pandora. He was always sitting with Pandora, you know. She died about a month after him, and when the vet, he, the vet said, oh, he, he's, she's got this very uncommon thing, Carla, cardiac myopathy. I said, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. He said, why? And I explained about Christopher. So it's like almost died of a broken heart, but in the same way. Well, you'd think, yes, illness, you yeah. can put all kinds of yeah, interpretations. It could be just fate. It could be the cat. I don't think the cat would die of, of, of missing someone. Dogs might do that. Mm. I don't. No, it was just fate that they came together. And I thought to myself, what, what next? Both my sons lost a son. Mm. Mm. It seems so unfair, you know. Yeah. I still don't know, you know, what my cardiac myopathy is all about. Mm. The heart just stops, and the scientists don't know why, and it's before they're 18, and they still don't know why. And, and so it seems so unfair, you know, because he was such a beautiful boy and full of so many things, but gone and Aragorn at three, what can you say? And so I've been through all those, you know, I've been through a lot of dramas, but, you know, not as bad as some people have had. Every time you've lost an animal or a bird here at your sanctuary, does it hit you really badly? Does oh, I, I can't bear it. Mm. I lost Daniel two months ago, my 29-year-old cat. Mm. And uh, he's been like, all these cats that are <coughs> here came from London with me. They've been with my career and they've moved here with me. She's 24 or 5, I'm not sure which. And well, I just love them so much, mm. you know, I mean, well, why? Can you not? No, no, I agree, absolutely. And, and of course, she knows, and mm. she, they like to be close to me, and, and I love that. A lot of animal lovers say that they prefer animals to human beings. Oh, yes, what oh, absolutely. You? Do you prefer animals to human beings? Well, I mean, I, I like human <coughs> beings, but they're capable of so much bad. Mm. Animals are not no. bad. I mean, even if they fight, even dogs that fight to kill, it's only because humans have Trend made them. them. Animals are just beautiful inside and out. They don't mean any harm. The fox has to catch food, so you have to forgive him. But they're, they're beautiful. I mean, you can, we've got a fox in the sanctuary. Um, I think he's slightly brain damaged. We've got two or three, actually. And they're so lovely, because mm -hmm. they're not hunting now. They're being fed, but they're just like puppies. 
So animals, you can't ever be cruel to animals because they would never be cruel to you. Among the great animal lover friends of yours are the McCartneys, of course. Or yes, so Linda was them? my best friend. You only met them about 1990, didn't you, or something? Yes, I didn't know her all that long. She I knew of Paul bread, beforehand. She appeared in an Yes, she did. She said to me, you're going to write a scene for me? <laughs> and I said, you want me to? She said, yeah. I said, okay. And I did. And it was never questioned. It was a great episode. I've still got it on video. Yeah, it was never questioned. Had you met them before then? then? How, did, how did you meet them? How did I meet? Oh, I know. Chrissy Hind. Mm -hmm. I, I can't boast that she's a great friend, but mm -hmm. we knew each other in mm -hmm. London. She invited me to her house. She said, I'm having a bit of a get-together and it's concerning animals, and I went. And there's a great crowd of well-known people, and she's in the middle of the floor saying, you know, we've got to do something about animals. And this voice from the back said, I notice you're talking about animals, but you've got a leather skirt on. <laughs> mm. And and Chrissy said, yes, well, after this meeting, maybe I won't wear one again. I put a question to her, and everybody did. And then on my way out, this lady gave me a little piece of paper, and she said, call me. Mm. And I thought, oh, all right, you know put it in my purse. Weeks later, I found this little bit of paper all frizzled up and I looked. So I called her and I said, oh, hi, this is uh, Carla, do you remember? Yeah. And we had a long chat and I still didn't know it was Linda McCartney. Yeah. And I said, I've got your little piece of paper. Oh, great. She said, look, why don't you come on over? So I said, well, sometime I will. And she told me where she lived and then she said, I knew she was Linda. Mm -hmm. Then she said, Paul will be here. And I thought, hang on, hang on. I know who you are. You are from Liverpool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and she, oh, several things. But she never once said, I'm Linda McCartney. Mm. Oh, she was gorgeous. She knew <clears throat> what she wanted, that girl. And, yeah. and she, she never kowtowed to anybody. And anyway, I went over, not right away. It was several weeks before I could get there. And um, they were waiting for me, and it was at the place on the hill where he does his music and recording, a studio he had in uh, Rye. And, we, you know, she'd got all sandwiches ready and all the people who served them, mm. who adored them always. I mean, they were so faithful, their people, mm. so loyal. I met them all, and, and suddenly I became part of that family. And then Linda and I... I had to go over many, many times because she would never really come to London. She came twice, but everything was always going on at her mm. end. And we used to, we decided that we'd write a song together, but um, Paul used to put his head around the door and go, Jesus, you know, because she'd be battering on the mm. piano and I'd be battering out the words, and we never got there. I did finally write a song which I think is very good and somebody has put to music for me and I've sent it to um, Simon Cowell mm -hmm. because he's got a record company and he loves animals but it, mm. it's a very nice song and a very good friend has sung it beautifully and it's about animals. But, but one little incident, the kind of thing that would tell you what Linda's like. A lady phoned me, she said, Carla, I know you're a friend of Linda's, she said, would you mind telling her that her sausages are too greasy? It was like that. So when I saw Linda, I said, listen, Linda, I've got a message for you from a lady. Your sausages are too greasy. And I was going to laugh. Hang on, she said. She picks the phone up. And I thought she was just going to make an mm. urgent call, but the conversation went like this. Hi, it's Linda. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Will you take the sausages off the market? And then a pause. No. Now. Pause. Look, I don't want it in a week's time. I want them off now. This minute. All sausages off the market. She said, I'll talk to you about it later, okay? And that was that was it. That's very sensitive, huh? She's brilliant. She was brilliant. That was a heck of a reaction, wasn't it? Well, because she she is like me a total vegetarian mm. and she doesn't want people to go off being a vegetarian mm. on the other hand she she knows they're there oh, so you know yes and um she had the recipe changed and she <laughs> and we just had a we just had a good time you know we used to sit on her lawn and and then um one day she said i want to speak to you and that didn't seem unusual and she, all she said was, I've got cancer, okay? And I went to speak, she said, uh-uh, don't talk about it. Mm. I said, can I not, no? I said, okay. And we never mentioned it again. And that's the kind of person she was. Mm. And then, you know, I just saw her getting paler and more gaunt the way people do. I've been a nurse, so I've seen it. And she rang me up and she said, look, we're going off. And I forget where they were going. And I know their places, but if I named one, it might be wrong. Listen, she said, you've got, you've got chickens, haven't you? I said, I've got thousands of them. Mm. She said, well, when I come back, I want three or four, okay, mm. to keep with mine. And I thought, well, she's coming back. So that was that. And then just at the end of the conversation, she said, I love you, Carla. And I thought, why would she say that? Anyway, she was dead three days later. And then a couple of days after that, I got this little parcel. Here are the beads you liked. She used to wear these long beads. And um, I got those. And you got her parrot as well. Tell us about the parrot. I got her parrot. Well, you know, I always liked Sparky, nice common parrot. It's unusual because they're all taught to say hello, you know. And I used to say to her, I'm, can I have Sparky? No, you can't, she used to say. And it became a thing between us every now and then. I said, I want Sparky. You can't have Sparky. <laughs> and it was a laugh, really. And then a big van arrived to my house in London, and in the middle was a cage with Sparky in them, and with love from Paul. But her last words to me were, I love you, Carla. Mm. And it was in a friendly way, you mm. know. Some Gosh, people well. would be horrified at that but she didn't mind saying I love you she tells you and you know how it was and I've always remembered that and Paul invited and paid for me to go to New York to uh, her the service there and then he did the same again to go to New York to do with her and it was a celebration of her when people say you know your friends are Paul's I don't want to sit here and pretend that we're mates. Mm. We are distant friends, you know. He's very warm toward me and I to him. But, you know, people just try to put more to it than there is. When did you last see him? I haven't seen Paul for a long time. Does he inquire about Sparky? Yes, he has done. (laughs) And uh, he he didn't have to for, for the first year because I sent him a little note. 
about this um, terribly common bird he'd bestowed upon Why me. Why do you call Sparky common? Because he talks like this. With a Scouse accent? Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's not a Scouse accent. He says, hello, Sparky. <laughs> no, it's because Sparky was in an aviary mm. in their woodland, mm. which was a bit lonely, really, and mm. the parrot that was with him died. And all the people used to pass. And they used to say, hello, Sparky, because that's the workers. And then they'd say, come here and say something. You know, and of course that's all he, all that he says. She says, hello, Sparky, come here and say something. And she gets really annoyed, you know. And this big van arrived. I thought, what the hell is this? And when they opened the doors, there's just a cage in the middle with a parrot. Love from Paul. <laughs> and I don't see much of Paul, but we're... You know, when I say I'm fr a friend of Paul's, mm. I don't say it in a boastful way. Mm. We, we're mates. We know we like the same things. We're both very keen. I mean, I I texted him the other day, and I said that um, in Liverpool, Paul, they are using greyhounds for this section, mm. and they've got a protest just to let you know. Yeah. And I put my name to it, and the next day I read in the paper he'd put his to it. So, you know, we're, we're, we're mates at a distance. Yeah. Um, he invited me, used to invite me to every damn thing he ever had, but he knows I'm not a party fiend. Mm -hmm. And at Christmas he sends me a beautiful tree-sized plant, you know. And we're just friends, but we don't spend time together because he's busy and I'm busy. But he and Linda used to come here. Does he still do his annual donation to the animal line? Um, he's never done an annual donation. Oh, that was in the paper. Mm. He's donated, but it's not just mm. at Christmas time. Right. I have never, ever bothered Paul about money, mm. except once towards the end of my time in London. And I spoke to Holly, who is his secretary, and she's lovely. And I said, I'm, I really... I really come to the end of my tether here now. But that was something I knew Paul couldn't help. Mm. You know, it was like I was leaving, I was selling my house in London. And Paul, I'm sure, would give me anything I asked. As someone I don't was, believe in asking. As someone who was so close to Linda, may we know how you felt about Heather? Well, uh, um, Paul invited me to his house when Heather was there twice. And when I first saw them together, I thought she seemed quite all right, really. And I can't say too much, really, because she seemed all right. Mm. And then the second time I met them, they seemed reasonably happy together, except that she was pushing me to write something for television for Paul. And Paul doesn't want to go on television. And I remember thinking, why is she doing that? He's not a television man, you know. But I, I didn't see anything about her that was awful. But then I wouldn't, would I? They'd only been married about two months. And after that, of course, all kinds of things started to happen. And obviously it wasn't a match, was it? That's all one can say. I expect he was lonely, really. You know, I wouldn't have expected him to, to be forever. Although why he married her, I don't know. That is, I have thought, why did you do that, Paul? You know. And... Um, do you feel that... Paul has recovered from his second marriage because he obviously went through it a great deal and now I he seems to be thinking I about Linda know. again. I don't know. I don't know. He'll never... Paul 
loved Linda and Linda loved Paul. And what I saw of them together was nice, always. A happy family. They loved their daughters and the daughters were lovely and it was a really happy household. And Paul must have greeted well. He looked terrible two or three days after her death. It was all on his face. And I think he's been very quiet about how he really felt, you know? Naturally, I mean, you don't want to go talking about that all the time. And people misconstrue, and people don't put down the words that you said. You know, I've come across that a lot in the newspapers. Do you yes. think Heather was a rebound, though, to, to Linda? I've no idea. Mm. I mean, I knew Heather because she wanted me to work on a project with her, and I just hadn't the time. It was to do with animals, and I just hadn't the time. Mm. She was quite a nice lady. I, and it was a wrong match. She was just a wrong match. People who are ill-matched always appear to be not very nice. But it, it's the circumstances that are making them not very nice, you know. She got a very big divorce settlement and she claimed she was going to give a lot of that to animal charities. Well, I never got any. Mm. <laughs> I'm supposed to be, you know, one of the charities she loves. I don't know. I, most of these women who marry people like Paul do want money, don't they? Very few of them turn out to stay together. I don't know why that why he married her. He should have just been a friend of hers. But I suppose it was a rebound or he was missing Linda. I don't know. But um, it's for him to say, really. If someone came in with a very generous donation, would you want to stay here? If someone said to you, listen, here's a few million, just stay Well, if they said that much, of course, because mm. then I'd be able to afford more stuff to look at. See, this place takes away my time. Mm. I can only afford, I've got Paul, I've got the gardener, and I've got Lynn the cleaner, three people. Um, I used to have four, but I laid one off, made one redundant recently, because, well, she wasn't really doing very much. And so I've got, you know, three people, I have to pay a proper wage, mm. and I love all three of them. They're mm. great, they're really nice, and we get on well. There is a thing here which I, said from the very beginning that including the sanctuary we don't backbite we don't talk about each other if we if something happens that you don't like come to me yeah, and we'll sort place. it out mm. but it's lovely there's no backbiting there's no nastiness we don't talk about each other we just get on with our work and if something uh, bothers us we might say you know hey come on don't be like that. But it's just beautiful here. The people are beautiful. My sanctuary people are gorgeous. There's lovely Toby, who's gay as a pancake. And there's 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 James, who's you know as, as, as tough as Tarzan, and and courting someone. And then you there's should be a scriptwriter. <laughs> and then there's Liz, who is just absolutely beautiful girl. All the men are after her, and she's mm. beautiful, and she's absolutely devoted to the animals. Mm. And she goes into that hospital room, and she knows just what to do. Well, mm. they all do. You've got and professional the great vets house. here as well, then? Or you just no, we have vets. We know what to right. do. Okay. We, I mean, we wouldn't operate, obviously, but, but we know how to treat almost everything. Mm. 
you say you're thinking of moving to a small cottage somewhere with huge grounds. Not a small it? cottage, a, a cottage, cottage, but right. a big one. <laughs> when the right thing comes along, I'll know, but it's mm. not easy to find. Mm. It's not easy to find. And, you know, I sit here now looking across this room and I'll never have a room as big as this again, which is rather sad. Are you glad like... to be writing again, or do you feel forced to do that for Oh, funds? no, that's my biggest need. Mm. It's my biggest of all needs is to write. I've written a book of poetry. I'll give you a book a bit before I go. And I've written, I've done my autobiography. And it was such a shame. The man who commissioned me left three weeks before it was due to come out. And he disappeared to another place. Mm -hmm. And there were just two people left a chap of about 20 and a girl of about the same age, they did nothing for my book, not a thing. Has it ever been they, released? I got, yes, it was released, but there was no great big Promotion. song and dance about mm. it, mm. and it's done quite well in spite of that, but my agent is absolutely so upset that she's going to re rebirth it, because I'm quite proud of that book, and the few people who got it just loved it. What do you think you'd have done with your life if animals hadn't been a part of it? I'd just written all the time. Because mm. as a child, at school we used to have a big open day for parents. And they used to have huge boards everywhere with things the children mm. had done. And there was a prize for the best. And there were beautiful things. They knitted things, crocheted things, embroidered things. And, of course, on the day I hadn't done anything, had I? I didn't knit and embroid things. I was busy nursing mice and saving beetles. <laughs> and, um, oh, I, th I thought, oh, I'll get into trouble, I'm not doing so. I wrote a little tiny poem about five lines and it won. I, I couldn't believe Why? it. It won the prize. Do you think that gave you the confidence to go ahead and... No, I've always been... A natural... Yeah, as a child, my mother told me that um, I used to be just a little bit different from, because she had my brother as well, and my sister Marna, who's a great mate of mine. And she, she said that when I spoke, I always spoke in a sort of, she called it a flowery way. Mm -hmm. She said, you always spoke in a flowery way. And from about six onwards, she said, you little sentences, you... And I used to say, she's going to write a Bible. She used to say, she's going to write a Bible one day. But my grandfather wrote poetry. My father wrote secret poetry. Nobody knew until after he died. And, you know, there's a little bit of it in, in my family. But I love, I love words. And, and I can, you know, if you said to me, I'll give you a quarter of an hour, I want a little poem about animals, I would do it. But I'm hopeless at everything else, let's face it, you know. Do you think I you've don't... still got some good work in you? Oh, yes, of course. The, the disappointing thing about <coughs> the papers is that they've spread my age around because people think, oh, well, she's old, you know. I'm not old not in my old, mind. Anyway. No, but, you know, you always imagine a 70-year-old woman mm. to be what 70-year-old women usually are. Mm. I don't think I'm like that, and I, I just feel that it's a shame but they must do it you know mm. they've got to 
mention your age, and a lot of people are already saying to me, I had no idea you were that old, and I cringe, you know what I mean? I just feel that mentally I'm much younger than my age. It's like the animals keep you young, don't they? Because the physical well, animals, animals are lovely. <laughs> I think she's heading your way, <laughs> so we keep her away from the material. Um, animals, I suppose they do. Mm. I don't know, really. My mother died when she was 75, and she looked about 45. Do you want to live to a ripe old age? Of course I do. I've got lots to say, mm. as you've gathered. Well, I'm glad you have. And in many decades to come, hopefully, you know, when you've left this planet, how, do you want people to remember you for your writing work or for the work you've done for I don't hours? care. I don't care. If they remember me, it'll be nice. If they don't, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm not that conceited that I think people should even remember me when I've gone, except my family. Mm. And um, death terrifies me because I'm claustrophobic. Yeah, well, <laughs> get put in the sea or something. Do you know it? what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm certainly not going to be buried. Mm. I've made that clear. I don't like the idea of cre the cremation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've said to my sons, can you not put me in a basket and put me on my little... I bought a little island many years ago off the coast. Yes. You still own that? St. Tudwells, oh yes. And um, I said, could you not put me in a basket and let the seagulls take me, you know? And they said, oh, mother, don't be so insane. We can't do that. I said, I'd much prefer it, really. And all you've got to do is stay away from the island for a year and I won't be there. And we've laughed about it, you know, and they say, oh, don't talk like that, and they get really upset. I don't know what I want, really. I don't want to be buried. I don't like to be burned. So what else is that? The sea? Oh, no, I'm claustrophobic. I, I can't thing, breathe yeah. under the mm. sea, can I? We'll just put you in a big explosion. Send <laughs> yes. you in a rocket up. Send me a, yes, <laughs> put a rocket. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever they do, they'll do it well. Mm. And I don't think of death yet because all my family have lived till well over 80. Tudwells. Is it near Anglesey or something? Yes, it's off the coast of Anglesey mm. and it's a beautiful bird wildlife place. Because it's not inhabited. And then. the chuff, which disappeared, came to my island and now there are lots of them, but you know, there were two or three on my island before they had come back. It's just a place where everything, it's got a spring, you see which is brilliant, because they couldn't have lived, the animals, if they didn't have water. The sheep that were on it when I bought it died um, about a year after. They were all very old ones. I think there's three left, uh, soy sheep living you on it. You bought it without seeing it, didn't you? Oh, yeah, because yeah. my son that? rang me up, Carl rang me. He said, hey, Mama, there's an island for sale, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, why is it for sale? Well, this aeroplane saw all these dead animals on it. And the lady had not sent them food or water, and all the deer died. Although there was water there, but when I see it, it's too steep for them to get to. Birds could do it. And it was all like that. I said, buy it, Carl. And um, he came back. He said, I'm having a bit of trouble because somebody else wants it. I said, well, offer some more. Oh, those lovely days of being rich. And um, he did that, and he said, we've got it, we've got it. And then I went to see it about two months later because we were in rehearsal. Mm. And I love it. It's beautiful. And I put a big notice on. 
nobody's allowed to go near it because there's people... There's no people living there at all. Oh, no. Yeah. It's this little old falling-down church mm. there, which Carl has made really nice. And um, people are not allowed to go on it. It's strictly for birds. Mm. And what about Dame Carla Lane one day? Many people think you're well-deserving of Well, I don't know. That's, a, that's for people to, you know, whoever decides you're a dame. I got my OBE to such a surprise. Mm. I sent it back, sent it to Tony Blair, oh, and he was very nice about it. <laughs> I said, um, you know, you, you have been talking about Mr. So-and-so, who, you know, was a vivisectionist, mm. and he's been given an OBE. I don't think vivisectionists should get OBEs, but that's my opinion, so here's mine back. Did and he you? wrote back a lovely letter, and he said, thank you so much, I'm sorry you you are uh, returning your OBE and I shall look after it for you until you change your mind. Oh, sweet. It was a lovely Personal letter. Personal handwritten letter, was Yeah, it? personally from him. Oh, and nice. I wrote him back, I wrote back and said thank you. Mm. And that was it. Nice. And um, when did I want my OBE back? There was a time when I wanted it back. There was something, it was live exports, which my grandfather fought all his life and it mm. was in my blood to fight them. And I needed my OBE back for something or other. Oh, Tony Blair had gone, and um, this Prime Minister, so it's that recently. I wanted it back because mm. Tony Blair had gone, mm. and I felt I needed it back. Did he write? And no. yeah, he sent it back with a nice letter. Really? Yeah. Gordon Brown did? Yeah. It's very nice. I don't know where the hell it is now. It's probably in there. I don't know where it is. So you put it back? Yeah. I don't know why they gave it to me properly. Mm. I think my television work was very popular in those days. Huge. People were liking it. Um, the people you see that one talks to now, they were too young then, mm. and they don't know my work. And I think the reason they've called me back to the BBC, somebody's found a script and, and said, oh, butterflies, did she write mm. that? Oh, let's, I'm you imagining all this. I can't write rubbish. I mean, I can't boast about too much. There are only two things about me of which I'm proud. I love animals, and they love me, and that that is satisfying to me. I I would die for an animal because they have no malice. They have nothing bad to say about you, even if they could talk, and they're grateful for everything you do. And and they're just beautiful things, even those that bite. They have a fear. You have to accept that. But I don't want... I don't know what I want to do about that. I mean, my, my OB is very nice, but I don't use it. Mm. You know, and, and I... And so I, if Gordon Brown's And I've just writing. been given a big award uh, last year by the RSPCA, the highest they've got. I don't even know what it's called. Mm. I've got the lovely thing there they, they did, a, a bronze beautiful thing mm. and I, I think what am I OBE what else but I never mm. put it after my name mm. and people keep saying why and, and I don't know why so I've never got, ever put Carla Lane OBE if you got a letter from Gordon Brown asking you to be Dame Carla of Horsted Keynes no he doesn't care less about me but you'd I accept it would you I don't like the name Dame it sounds like somebody on a broomstick that's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it sounds like that to me. Oh, okay. Um, I don't particularly want to be a dame. I mean, why should I be a dame? 
for amazing work, for amazing contribution, not only to television, but, but more to animals, I think. Well, I think the RSPCA covered that with their award. Mm. As I say, it was the highest they've mm. ever given. Finally, Carl, let's nice. have your favourite animal stories from your time here. Well, there's one. We have a sparrow which doesn't have any legs. I don't know whether you can imagine a sparrow without legs. I'm just trying to, actually. But go on. And he, he was brought in, and we thought, what can we do with this? I mean, he's no life. Mm. So we decided that the only thing to do was to try and make him feel, feel wild again. And we, ha we have, it's empty now because they've been home for when we move, but it was an aviary with all kinds of birds with all kinds of problems. Some had lost their feathers, some were lame, some had broken wings, or a couple of blind pigeons. They're all in together. And we decided to put him in there and we thought, what's he going to do? I mean, once he flies, what happens? That little bird built a little platform of his own and finally built about three more and he flew from one to the other. Now, they're not platform building birds mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and yet that's what he did and we've still got him oh. and he's no legs and what he flutters around and he lands and that I don't know his name mm. now it's gone out of my mm. head there's so many um, that's one you know I've got 44 bullocks that somebody oh, put there well seven years ago I woke up one morning and somebody said come quick and I went to the sanctuary and there were 44 tiny calves this big and some very rich farmers in their Range Rovers and they said we're, we're sorry to do this to you but you know we have a complaint to make and we're using this to highlight it and I never found out what the complaint was however they went and left me with these 44 saved from the slaughterhouse were they? Um, no they, they were just they would have gone for slaughter oh. but they gave them to me well that was seven or eight years ago and I couldn't look after 44 bullets. First of all, I won't go through the, the hell I went through when I first got them. They mm. kept escaping all over Sussex. I didn't know how to treat calves. I knew nothing about calves. We had to feed them with bottles and we ended up on the floor. They were really vicious when they were young. And you know, they'd pull the bottle from you and push you over. And we went through hell and all with these. Finally, they grew a little bit and became calmer. And then I put an advert out saying, please, could somebody look after mm. 44 bullocks and I would pay? Well, everybody rang me, mm. but I just know when they're not right. And then one man rang me and I knew he was right and he lives five minutes from here. And he wanted just under 2,000 pounds a month. And, you know, it's a lot of money. Mm. However, I passed them over to him and he's looked after them for me ever since and I've paid him that money for seven years, yes. non-stop, and they're now great big mm. bullocks. Nobody's seen any this big because mm. they go for slaughter at 30 months. Mm. They're huge and they come with their big tongue and lick your face <laughs> and I love them to bits. Three have died because mm. old age. Mm. It's cost me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And I, I never talk about it because mm. People will say, "Surf, you're bloody right," mm. you know. But how could I send all those calves for slaughter? Mm. No, hey, come on! Mm. So 
They've lived a lovely, lovely life. And even my sons now are getting a bit cross with me and saying, Mama, you should never have done that. It has pulled you down financially over the years. It, nobody else would do it. I said, that's why I did it. And they say, oh, all right, what can we do with you, for God's sake, you know. I have a good relationship with them. Yes. And they're still there, and they're absolutely gorgeous.